It's Friday, May 21st, and we are back for another episode of The Truth of the Matter, coming to you live once again, playing the part of your host, Jake Fay, the host of The Truth of the Matter with Jake Fay. I want to give you some updates on the podcast. We are celebrating episode seven, seven episodes, and this podcast has been listened to in 11 of the 50 states in five countries. I was not expecting that. It has been listened to in, obviously, America. Also, the United Kingdom, Germany, Jordan, and the Netherlands. So thank you guys for your support of this podcast. I really appreciate it. I want to get your feedback. How can I make this show better? What can I do to improve it so that you want to listen to it, so that you will continue to enjoy the podcast? Or maybe you've never enjoyed it. So what can I do to make this show better? I'd, I'd like to let you know that I'm planning on covering some faith-based issues in the next few episodes. I know I advertise this as a podcast that covers issues of politics, faith, and life in general, but I haven't done many faith-based episodes, so I'd like to get into that in the next few episodes. But also, I want to know, do you like the structure as it is right now, where I cover concepts and theories with my guests, and then you can use that information and apply it to current events? Or would you prefer that I cover current events, current news stories, and just give you the information what's happening today, more of an up-to-date news story? It's up to you. What do you guys want? I might try to do both from now on. Just let me know. I want to make this podcast as enjoyable as possible. Today I've got a conversation. I was joined by my friend Mike Noriega. We're talking about the Constitution, guns, all things Second Amendment. It's a great conversation. You won't want to miss it, so I'll bring that to you right after this short break. Thank you guys so much. Stay tuned. I'll be right back on The Truth of the Matter. Welcome back to another episode of The Truth of the Matter with Jake Fay. Today we're going to be talking about the Constitution, guns, and the Second Amendment. And I'm excited to welcome my friend, Mike Noriega, to the program. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jacob, for having me. Of course. So you and I met at Patriot Academy a few years ago, which is just an incredible organization. And those who know me and know that I encourage all of my friends to attend. So to start off, I just want you to tell us a little bit about Patriot Academy, because I know you're very involved. Just tell us a little bit about what it is and why young people should consider attending. Right, so Patriot Academy is an organization that was founded in 2002 with a single bold vision to equip the new generation of patriots who can champion the cause of freedom and truth in government, media, education, entertainment as we take our nation back to the principles upon which it's founded. What we're seeing is it's not a lack of patriots wanting to get involved, but rather it's a lack of training on how to get involved. So Patriot Academy's goal is to equip those patriots to get the skills and training necessary to be those champions of freedom. Since our founding, we've had patriots serve in the halls of the legislature, in governor's offices, in media, in almost every field of government to ensure that freedom is not lost on our watch. Yes, it's an incredible organization. If you're interested in politics, but if you're not interested in politics, no matter what area of life you feel like God is calling you into, I would definitely encourage you to check out Patriot Academy. We talk a lot about the Constitution, and I know you're very passionate about our founding document, but as you know, an alarming amount of Americans are totally ignorant on the subject. 
So let's start yeah. our discussion with just a very simple series of questions to address those who feel as if the Constitution isn't relevant, doesn't matter anymore. Why is the Constitution so great, first of all? And secondly, what makes it just as relevant as important, just as relevant and important today as when it was first written? Right, that's a good question. I think that's what most Americans we miss today is why is it important? It's because it's relevant because what the founding fathers established in that constitution. So our forefathers did not establish this new nation based on new lofty ideas, but rather Thomas Jefferson told us the idea of the Declaration of Independence was not to find out new principles or new arguments that would be thought of. It wasn't merely to say things which had never been said before, but to place before mankind the common sense of the subject. Axioms such as all men are created equal, the right of we the people to govern, and the only purpose of government is to protect our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. These statements weren't political rhetoric for the founding fathers, but what they were with the liberal enforcement of the political philosophy we still use today. And that's why I think the Constitution is so great, is because it allowed we the people to push aside the social classes and the strong arm of government as seen in generations before the Constitution allowed we the people to unleash our individual greatness to a greater extent than that before been done before. It's because we based our laws off of a principle rather than an idea that could change over time. Right, and when people say the Constitution is exceptional compared to other countries. What do they mean by that? Why is our system of government in comparison to the rest of the world, what makes our system so exceptional? Right, and that's that's a term that unfortunately most people take as extremists is American exceptionalism. So American exceptionalism was a term formulated and first brought up by a Frenchman, Alexis de Tocqueville who came to America in the early 1800s to study our jail systems, but ended up leaving, saying there's something in America different than every other nation, which he termed American exceptionalism. And this American exceptionalism, as he said, was because the backbone of America was our churches. Our whole law wasn't based off of hierarchy, but rather that all men are created equal under the eyes of God, and we have to serve each other to each other's ends. But to go back to your question in regards to American exceptionalism, and I'm sorry, I got off a little off track, most nations get a new constitution within 17 years. It doesn't matter if it's a well-established nation in Europe, maybe one of the Middle East or Africa that's not as established as a nation. You know, most nations have a constitution every 17 years. Our constitution, though one of the youngest nations had the longest constitution. So stability alone would make us exceptional. Um, what allows we the people to do based on the limitations placed on the federal government allowed us to have more patents, create more music, open new more businesses than any other nation on the planet. For about 4% of the population, we provide close to 25% of all the goods and sources, all because of the restrictions on the federal government based on the constitution and the rights guaranteed to within the people based on the federal constitution. Right, so let's dive in specifically to the second amendment because this is probably the most controversial part of the constitution Therefore, it is the most attacked. I would say our Second Amendment rights are most under threat right now. So let's just lay a foundation. From the founders' perspectives, why do we even need the Second Amendment? The founding fathers, I would say, would understood that we need the Second Amendment not only for natural defenses, like if you will, um, to keep our country free from foreign enemies. For writers, as we saw in last summer with 
BLM and the McCoskey family out of Missouri to be able to protect our lives and our properties from those wishing to do us harm. And also from the governing authorities, from powers of battle rulers from absorbing their powers. The founding fathers understood that this was a palladium of our liberties, that where the Second Amendment goes, so that we, we the people do not have those rights to keep and bear arms because of ourselves, the federal governments will see our weakness and eventually take up our rights as England did to them. And I think a lot of people get distracted on focusing on the guns. It, they say, you know, I don't like guns, which I, I like guns, but they forget that the threats against the Second Amendment are threats against our rights because if the federal government has the authority to take away our Second Amendment constitutional rights without going through that constitutional process by which you could amend the Constitution if the American people actually wanted it. But if they have the authority to take that, to take those rights away, what prevents them from taking away any other rights in the Constitution? And that's a good question. Is if we, the people, allow the federal government to decide that their rights come from the government rather than God, as you say in the Constitution, so founding fathers understood, our rights don't come to the federal, from the federal government, therefore they can't take them away. Once we decide that they give us our rights and can take them away, we, the people, are in a dangerous place. Because as we saw even this last summer, is we determined the federal governments can tell us whether or not our church can stay open, even if we go to church, how we can worship, what businesses can and can't stay open. Why? Because we, the people, forgot that our rights don't come from God. I'm sorry, from the federal government. Our rights come from God. Right. And once we changed that idea, our rights were, rights were taken away overnight, and we didn't even know. We know so it was too late, and that's what the problem is. If we allow them to revise the Second Amendment, is they could revise any other amendment, as we saw with the First Amendment and other amendments with its COVID-19 lockdowns. Exactly. So what the left does on this issue is they say they actually do care about the Second Amendment. They just want to start off by banning assault weapons. That's usually the big one that they go after, assault weapons. On Joe Biden's website, for example, it says that he will, quote, respect the Second Amendment and pursue constitutional common sense gun safety policies. But then it goes on to outline his plan for banning what he calls weapons of war. So they do this. They say, we won't infringe on your constitutional rights to keep and bear arms. But there is absolutely no legitimate reason why anyone would ever need an assault weapon. That's what we hear from them a lot. That you can keep the Second Amendment, but we're just going to take assault weapons to start off with. So how would you respond to that? I think the Constitution's basic document of freedom is written for farmers, and it's pretty clear that right of the people to keep in their arms shall not be infringed. And this means that there's no clause in the Constitution conceived to give Congress a power or the president to disarm the people. That our founding fathers, when they were asked, what is a militia? George Mason, the father of the Second Amendment, says the whole people, we the people are the militia. And the idea of the Second Amendment was for we the people to have the same skills and resources as a federal government to equal out as if we will to keep our freedoms alive. So if the federal government can have an assault rifle, so can we the people. So by saying that arsenals of weapons of the federal government aren't for we the people, it also means that the federal government constitutionally should not be able to have them. Okay. Because as you said, the reason the founders thought we needed a second amendment is to fight against tyranny. That's the big thing. 
a lot of people want to make this all about, you know, just hunting or something, which sure, right. that's fun. But the, the most important thing is history proves that governments have a tendency, even good governments can be corrupted, that they can become tyrannical. And so the people need to have, you're saying the same amount of firepower or the same amount of force to oppose the federal government. Is that, is that what you're saying? Right. And that's what the family files are getting at all along is that if we don't have the power, as they saw with the Revolutionary War, is that when you are restricted to the sense of being um, able to protect yourselves, the federal government will come and take your power rights away. But when you are armed and trained how to use your firearms, the federal government will be less likely to take away your power because it's not as easy to do as an untrained citizenry. Right. So I'd say the reason this is such a controversial topic and the entire Second Amendment debate is about finding that balance between Shana and French and common sense policies that prevent criminals or mentally ill persons from freely purchasing a weapon. Because there is a problem of gun violence, and I do not think that taking away our constitutional rights would help fix that problem. But taking that into consideration, what role, if any, should the federal government play in finding that balance between letting us have Second Amendment rights, but at the same time responding to gun violence? What is the solution to addressing that issue without violating the Second Amendment? I think the only way is if the federal government wants to put any limitations on the Second Amendment, like I'm sure your listeners have put as your relation with the Convention of States is an Article 5 Convention of States where we, the states, get together and say there's something in the Constitution that needs amending, whether they decide they want to get rid of the Second Amendment altogether, if we want to put so many restrictions on, if we want to have background checks for the Second Amendment. Article 5 Convention of States is the only way we can legally and constitutionally do so. But I think the issue we tend to look at is the gun violence. So we tend to look at the fruit of the issue, right, not the root of the issue. If we go off the Second Amendment path for a while, Dr. Benjamin Rush, the father of the American public school, said that we'll be wasting our money if we take the Bibles out of school and stop punishing criminals rather than actually training good citizens. That the Northwest Ordinance is what the only idea of public schools was to create good citizens, make them listen to parents, to have them believe in God. But our idea now is that we're going to take Christianity out of our society and take principles out of our society and hope to get a good society. But once we remove our principles from our nation, that's what gives us gun violence. It's not necessarily in regards to the guns themselves. If we get rid of the guns, it's England. I'll say now they have a knife problem. That guns do as much good or more good than they do bad. That's only who uses them and what the intent of the heart is, who owns and there's a gun. Right. And just to clarify, I don't believe, and those who support the Convention of States don't believe that it would be a threat to the Second Amendment. But I see what you're saying. What you're saying is that the only way to get rid of that constitutionally would be to have an amendment to the Constitution that undoes some part of the Second Amendment. We don't believe that a Convention of States would do that. But to your second point, what you're saying is we have been taught to focus on the the results or what have the the fruits of the problem rather than the cause which is just a lack of morality in the culture so do you think that could explain why 
gun violence has become more of a problem in recent American history? Would you say that's because of a decline in morality and the Bible in schools? I can say we can see it's a simple principle that the less moral society, the more crimes that occur. Um, that any society that has a form of belief that there is a creator, there is a God, and there will be a judgment day, they will live the lives in accordance. But those who do not believe, so that they believe that they are all there isn't all there will ever be, they will also live in accordance. And by that, it will be what they will like, and the desires of the heart will be manifested into crimes and things of that nature that are against not only the higher laws of God, but the public good. Right. So the problem isn't guns. You could ban guns from existence, but if you don't have morality, you would still, people would still find a way to commit crimes, is what you're saying. So, yeah. and right. Okay. In light of the fact that the Biden administration seems to have a total disregard for our Constitution and the Second Amendment, what are some things that we can do to defend our right to keep and bear arms and ensure that it survives the attacks against it? I think we think it's unique to our time that the Constitution's under attack. Though it might be the first time the Second Amendment has been attacked on to this extent, every generation of Americans have had to do their solemn duty to stand guard at the Watchtower and protect our constitutional rights. But there hasn't been generations since the founding of our nation that being Americans come easy, right? Whether it's the Civil War, going off to fight the Germans, or storming Normandy, each generation of Americans have their part in preserving freedom. And ours, frankly, is just to protect the Constitution. We're not asked to fight with bullets or bayonets, but rather to have our voices be heard at the ballot box, to take an active role in the government process. So what we can do to protect the right to keep and bear arms is to take that active role and having a voice to be heard to teach people about what the Constitution right, constitutional rights are and how to protect them, how to lobby elected officials, how to um, not only how long to use the guns, but encourage them to get those permits to be able to keep the guns, how to get involved with the Article 5 Convention of States to make sure that the chains are properly put on the federal government, that the Biden administration can decide to do what they're going to do, but we the states will eventually stop them based on the Article 5 Convention of States. So I think the idea is to train the citizenry, not as in other generations through uses of tactical force, militarily speaking, but rather philosophically speaking, to understand what our rights are and how to better preserve and protect them. So what resources would you recommend that someone go to if they wanted to train themselves on how to defend the Constitution, to learn more about how it works and how we can protect it? Patriot Academy has a lot of resources available to not only teach you your constitutional rights, but your friends and families the constitutional rights. We have a summer program, as Jacob talked about. It goes from three days to a week long, where we have constitutional experts, former legislators, communication students to teach you how to get involved in that process. So to help you, maybe you say, I have read the Constitution cover to cover. I understand what our Second Amendment's rights are. But it's how to articulate what those rights are and how to defend them, whether it means going to city council meetings and going in public comments testifying, whether it's helping draft legislation, whatever it might be that God calls you to, to help resolve our constitutional rights. You'll get the skills and training that Patriot Academy. Another opportunity we have is a Constitution Coach Program, where it's a six-week-long course that teaches you article by article, amendment by amendment, at the Constitution, what it writes as Americans, and how to defend them with constitutional expert David Barden and McCree. It's a phenomenal course. I've learned so much from it. It's constitutioncoach.com. I highly recommend it. everyone checks it out. Yes, yeah, so I definitely recommend that you check out those resources. I've taken the Constitutional Live course I don't know how many times. 
but I learn something new every single time. One last question for you. We have these attacks against our rights, against our freedoms, and it's becoming more and more concerning. But in spite of all of that, what still gives you hope that the American people could potentially turn this thing around? I think at this time, it's hard to find that hope. It's always looking at history and saying it's not the majority that always makes a difference, but it's the active minority willing to stand guard that there's only about, what, 4% of Americans who are actually part of the Revolutionary War. And the 4%, we have a larger number than that of today of Americans willing to say on our watch, freedom won't be lost. Our country might be in danger, but we're not despaired. We're going to do what it takes, whether it's, as California is doing, recalling the governor, or whether it's other states saying, on a state level, we're going to ban abortion. We're going to become sanctuary states for the Second Amendment. We're going to make sure constitutional carry is once more a thing, as states as Texas just have done. So I think that the hope comes in seeing states once again taking their place in the Constitution, saying, on our watch, our citizens are going to be taken away. Citizens on their parts, and on our watch, we won't stand by as they're learning about the Constitution part. But when you see people actively taking their part in the Constitution process, whether it's convention states or whether it be um, the tools found in the First Amendment, that is where I find hope. Right. I think that's where we can find hope as Americans. Right. And that we can be involved in that. We can be a part of the remnant that continues to fight for our country, that doesn't give up on freedom, that learns about the Constitution so that we are better prepared to defend it. We definitely haven't lost hope yet. We've got a, a long history in America, like you're saying, of patriots that are willing to fight for our country. And I don't believe that this generation is any different. So thank you, Mike, so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. We'll have to get you back on the program sometime soon. Thank you, Jacob. Welcome back, guys. And thank you so much for joining me for another episode of The Truth of the Matter with Jake Fay. And a special thanks to Mike Noriega for joining us and talking with us about our Constitution, our rights and freedoms, and what you and I can do to learn more about that Constitution and to protect it against the threats that are coming up against our rights and freedoms. It is an important fight, and I want to remind you that it starts with us surrendering to God, turning back to Him, and letting Him direct us. May God have mercy on this country. The most important thing you can do for America is pray for her, pray for our future, and pray that we would surrender ourselves to God to be used by Him as servant leaders and examples of biblical morality. As usual, I appreciate your guys' support of this podcast. I'd be honored if you would share it around and subscribe and join me next week for another exciting interview right here on The Truth of the Matter. Thank you guys so much. God bless.